Section 13 of Great Epochs in American History, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Great Epochs in American History, Volume 2. The Planting of the First Colonies, 1562 to 1733. By Francis Whiting Halsey. Section 13. The First Voyage of the Mayflower, 1620. By Governor William Bradford. September 6th. These troubles being blown over, and now all being compact together in one ship, they put to sea again with a prosperous wind, which continued diverse days together, which was some encouragement unto them, yet according to the usual manner many were afflicted with seasickness after they had enjoyed fair winds and weather for a season they were encountered many times with cross winds and met with many fierce storms with which the ship was shroudly shaken and her upper works made very leaky and one of the main beams in the midships was bowed and craped which put them in some fear that the ship could not be able to perform the voyage so some of the chief of the company perceiving the mariners to fear the sufficiency of the ship as appeared by their mutterings they entered into serious consultation with the master and other officers of the ship to consider in time of the danger and rather to return then to cast themselves into a desperate and inevitable peril and truly there was great distraction and difference of opinion amongst the mariners themselves Fain would they do what would be done for their wages' sake, being now half the seas over, and on the other hand they were loath to hazard their lives too desperately. But in examining of all opinions, the master and others affirmed that they knew the ship to be strong and firm under water, and for the buckling of the main beam there was a great iron screw the passengers brought out of Holland which would raise the beam into his place. The which being done, the carpenter and the master affirmed that with a post put under it set firm in the lower deck and other ways bound he would make it sufficient and as far as the decks and upper works they would caulk them as well as they could and though with the working of the ship they would not long keep stanch yet there would otherwise be no great danger if they did not overpress her with sails so they committed themselves to the will of god and resolved to proceed in sundry of these storms the winds were so fierce and the seas so high as they could not bear a knot of sail but were forced to hull for diverse days together and in one of them as they thus lay at hull a mighty storm a lusty young man called john Rowland, coming upon some occasion above the gratings was with a seal of the ship thrown into the sea but it pleased god that he caught hold of the topsail halyards which hung overboard and ran out at length yet he held his hold though he was sundry fathoms under water till he was hauled up by the same rope and the brime of the water and then with a boat-hook and other means got into the ship again and his life saved and though he was something ill with it yet he lived many years after and became a profitable member both in church and commonwealth in all this siege there died but one of the passengers which was william button a youth servant to samuel fuller when they drew near the coast but to omit other things that i may be brief after long beating at sea they fell with that land which is called cape cod 
the witch being made and certainly known to be it they were not a little joyful after some deliberation had amongst themselves and with the master of the ship they tacked about and resolved to stand for the southward the wind and weather being fair to find some place about hudson's river for their habitation but after they had sailed the course about half the day they fell amongst dangerous shoals and roaring breakers and they were so far entangled there with as they conceived themselves in great danger and the wind shrinking upon them withal they resolved to bear up again for the cape and thought themselves happy to get out of those dangers before night o'ertook them as by god's providence they did and the next day they got into the cape harbour where they rid in safety a word or two by the way of this cape it was thus first named by captain gosnell and his company in the year sixteen two and after by captain smith was called cape james but it retains the former name amongst seamen also the point which first showed those dangerous shoals unto them they called point care and tucker's terror but the french and dutch to this day call it malabar by reason of those perilous shoals and the losses they have suffered there being thus arrived in a good harbour and brought safe to land they fell upon their knees and blessed the god of heaven who had brought them over the vast and furious ocean and delivered them from all the perils and miseries thereof again to set their feet on the firm and stable earth their proper element and no marvel if they were thus joyful seeing why seneca was so affected with sailing a few miles on the coast of his own italy as he affirmed that he had rather remained twenty years on his way by land than pass by sea to any place in a short time so tedious and dreadful was the same unto him but here i cannot but stay and make a pause and stand half amazed at this poor people's present condition and so i think will the reader too when he well considers the same being thus past the vast ocean and a sea of troubles before in their preparation as may be remembered by that which went before they had now no friends to welcome them nor inns to entertain or refresh their weather-beaten bodies no houses or much less towns to repair to to seek for succour it is recorded in scripture as a mercy to the apostle and his shipwrecked company that the barbarians showed them no small kindness in refreshing them but these savage barbarians when they met with them as after will appear were readier to fill their sides full of arrows than otherwise and for the season it was winter and they that know the winters of the country know them to be sharp and violent and subject to cruel and fierce storms dangerous to travel to known places much more to search an unknown coast besides what could they see but a hideous and desolate wilderness full of wild beasts and wild men and what multitudes there might be of them they knew not neither could they as it were go up to the top of pisgah to view from this wilderness a more goodly country to feed their hops for which way soever they turned their eyes save upward to the heavens they could have little solace or content in respect of any outward objects for summer being done all things stand upon them with a weather-beaten face and the whole country full of woods and thickets represented a wild and savage view if they looked behind them there was the mighty ocean which they had passed and was now as a main bar and gulf to separate them from all the civil parts of the world if it be said they had a ship to succour them it is true 
but what heard they daily from the master and company but with speed they should look out a place with their shallop where they would be at some near distance for the season was such as he would not stir from thence till a safe harbour was discovered by them where they would be and he might go without danger and that victuals consumed apace but he must and would keep sufficient for themselves and their return yea it was muttered by some that if they got not a place in time they would turn them and their goods ashore and leave them let it also be considered what weak hopes of supply and succour they left behind them that might bear up their minds in this sad condition and trials they were under and they could not be very small it is true indeed that affections and love of their brethren at leyden was cordial and entire towards them but they had little power to help them or themselves and how the case stood between them and the merchants at their coming away hath already been declared what could now sustain them but the spirit of god and his grace being thus arrived at cape cod the eleventh of november and necessity calling them to look out a place for habitation as well as the masters and mariners importunity they having brought a large shallop with them out of england stowed in quarters the ship they now got her out and set their carpenters to work to trim her up but being much bruised and shattered in the ship with foul weather they saw she would be long in mending whereupon a few of them tendered themselves to go by land and discover those nearest places whilst the shallop was in mending and the rather because they went into that harbour there seemed to be an opening some two or three leagues of which the master judged to be a river it was conceived there might be some danger in the attempt yet seeing them resolute they were permitted to go being sixteen of them well armed under the conduct of captain standish having such instructions given them as was thought meet they set forth the fifteenth of november and when they had marched about the space of a mile by the seaside they espied five or six persons with a dog coming towards them who were savages but they fled from them and ran up into the woods and the english followed them partly to see if they could speak with them and partly to discover if there might not be more of them lying in ambush but the indians seeing themselves thus followed they again forsook the woods and ran away on the sands as hard as they could so as they could not come near them but followed them by the track of their feet sundry miles and saw that they had come the same way so night coming on they made their rendezvous and set out their sentinels and rested in quiet the night and the next morning followed their track till they had headed a great creek and so left the sands and turned an other way into the woods but they still followed them by guess hoping to find their dwellings but they soon lost both them and themselves falling into such thickets as were ready to tear their clothes and armour to pieces but were most distressed for want of drink but at length they found water and refreshed themselves being the first new england water they drunk of and was now in their great thirst as pleasant unto them as wine or beer had been in four times afterwards they directed their course to come to the other shore for they knew it was a neck of land they were to cross over and so at length got to the seaside and marched to this supposed river and by the way found a pond of clear fresh water and shortly after a good quantity of clear ground where the indians had formerly set corn and some of their graves and proceeding further 
they saw a new stubble where corn had been set the same year also they found where lately a house had been where some planks and great kettle was remaining and heaps of sand newly paddled with their hands which they digging up found in them diverse fair indian baskets filled with corn and some in ears fair and good of diverse colours which seemed to them a very goodly sight having never seen any such before in the month of november being spent in these affairs and much foul weather falling in the sixth of december they sent out their shallop again with ten of their principal men and some seamen upon further discovery intending to circulate her the deep bay of cape cod the weather was very cold and it froze so hard as the spray of the sea lighting on their coats they were as if they had been glazed yet that night betimes they got down into the bottom of the bay and as they dined near the shore they saw some ten or twelve indians very busy about something they landed about a league or two from them and had much flats being landed it grew late and they made themselves a barricade with logs and bows as well as they could in the time and set out their sentinel and betook them to rest and saw smoke of the fire the savages made that night when morning was come they divided their company some to coast along the shore in the boat and the rest marched the woods to see the land if any fit place might be for their dwelling they came also to the place whom they saw the indians the night before and found they had been cutting up a great fish like a grumpus being some two inches thick of fat like a hog some pieces whereof they had left by the way and the shallop found two more of these fishes dead on the sands thing usual after storms in the place by reason of the great flats of sands that lie of so they ranged up and down all that day but found no people nor any place they liked when the sun grew low they hasted out of the woods to meet with their shallop to whom they made signs to come to them into a creek hard by which they did at high water of which they were very glad for they had not seen each other all that day since the morning so they made them a barricado as usually they did every night with logs stakes and thick pine boughs the height of a man leaving it open to leeward partly to shelter them from the cold and wind making their fire in the middle and lying round about it and partly to defend themselves from any sudden assaults of the savages if they could surround them so being very weary they betook them to rest and about midnight they heard a hideous great cry and their sentinel called army army so they bestirred them and stood to their arms and shot a couple of muskets and then the noise ceased they concluded it was a company of wolves or such like wild beasts for one of the seamen told them that he had often heard such a noise in newfoundland so they rested until about five of the clock in the morning for the tide and their purpose to go from thence made them be stirring betimes so after prayer they prepared for breakfast and it being day dawning it was thought best to be carrying things down to the boat but some said it was not best to carry their arms down others said they would be the readier for they had leapt them up in their coats from the dew but some three or four would not carry theirs till they went themselves yet it fell out the water being not high enough they laid them down on the bank side and came up to breakfast but presently all on the sudden they heard a great and strange cry which they knew to be the same voices they heard in the night though they varied their notes and one of their company being abroad came running in and cried men indians indians 
and with all their arrows came flying amongst them their men ran with all speed to recover their arms as by the good providence of god they did in the meantime of those who were there ready two muskets were discharged at them and two more stood ready in the entrance of the rendezvous but were commanded not to shoot till they could take full aim at them and the other two charged again with all speed for there were only four had arms there and defended the barricade which was first assaulted the cry of the indians was dreadful especially when they saw their men run out of the rendezvous towards the shop to recover their arms the indians wheeling about upon them but some running out with coats of mail on and cutlasses in their hands they soon got their arms and let fly amongst them and quickly stopped their violence yet there was a lusty man and no less valiant stood behind a tree within half a musket shot and let his arrows fly at them he was seen shoot three arrows which were all avoided he stood three shot of a musket till one taking full aim at him and made the bark or splinters of the tree fly about his ears after which he gave an extraordinary shriek and away they went all of them they left some to keep the shallop and followed them about a quarter of a mile and shouted once or twice and shot two or three pieces and so returned this they did that they might conceive that they were not afraid of them or any way discouraged thus it pleased god to vanquish their enemies and give them deliverance and by his special providence so to dispose that not any one of them were either hurt or hit though their arrows came close by them and on every side of them and sundry of their coats which hung up in the barricado were shot through and through afterwards they gave god solemn thanks and praise for their deliverance and gathered up a bundle of their arrows and sent them into england afterward by the master of the ship and called that place the first encounter from thence they departed and coasted all along but discerned no place likely for harbour and therefore hasted to a place that their pilot one master coppin who had been in the country before did assure them was a good harbour which he had been in and they might fetch it before night of which they were glad for it began to be foul weather after some hours sailing it began to snow and rain and about the middle of the afternoon the wind increased and the sea became very rough and they broke their rudder and it was as much as two men could do to steer her with a couple of oars but their pilot bade them be of good cheer for he saw the harbour but the storm increasing and night drawing on they bore what sail they could to get in while they could see but herewith they broke their mast in three pieces and their sail fell overheard in a very grown sea so as they had like to have been cast away yet by god's mercy they recovered themselves and having the flood with them struck into the harbour but when it came to the pilot was deceived in the place and said the lord be merciful unto them for his eyes never saw the place before and he and the master mate would have run her ashore in a cove full of breakers before the wind but a lusty seaman which steered bad those which rowed if they were men about her or else they were cast away the which they did with speed so he bid them be of good cheer and row lustily for there was a fair sound before them and he doubted not but they should find one place or other where they might ride in safety and though it was very dark and rained sore yet in the end they got under the lee of a small island and remained there all the night safety but they knew not this to be an island till morning 
but were divided into their minds some would keep the boat for fear they might be amongst the indians others were so weak and could they not endure but got ashore and with much ado got fire all things being so wet and the rest were glad to come to them for after midnight the wind shifted to the northwest and it froze hard but though this had been a day and night of much trouble and danger unto them yet god gave them a morning of comfort and refreshing as usually he doth to his children for the next day was a fair sunshiny day and they found themselves to be on an island secure from the indians where they might dry their stuff fix their pieces and rest themselves and gave god thanks for his mercies in their manifold deliverances and this being the last day of the week they prepared there to keep the sabbath on monday they sounded the harbor and found it fit for shipping and marched into the land and found diverse cornfields and little running brooks a place as they supposed fit for situation at least it was the best they could find and the season and their present necessity made them glad to accept of it so they returned to their ship again with this news to the rest of their people which did much comfort their hearts on the fifteenth of december they weighed anchor to go to the place they had discovered and came within two leagues of it but were fain to bear up again but the sixteenth day the wind came fair and they arrived safe in this harbour and afterwards took better view of the place and resolved there to pitch their dwelling and the twenty-fifth day began to erect the first house for common use to receive them and their goods i shall a little return back to begin with the combination made by them before they came ashore being the first foundation of their government in this place occasioned partly by the discontented and mutinous speeches that some of the strangers amongst them had let fall from them in the ship that when they came ashore they would use their own liberty for none had power to command them the patent they had being for virginia and not for new england which belonged to another government with which the virginia company had nothing to do and partly that such an act by them done this their condition considered might be as firm as any patent and in some respects more sure the form was as followeth in the name of god amen we whose names are underwritten the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign lord king james by the grace of god of great britain france and ireland king defender of the faith etc having undertaken for the glory of god and the advancement of the christian faith and honor of our king and country a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of virginia do by these presents solemnly and mutually in the presence of god and one of another covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid and by virtue hereof enact constitute and frame such just and equal laws ordinances acts constitutions and offices from time to time as shall be thought most meet and convenient for the general good of the colony unto which we promise all due submission and obedience in witness whereof we have hereunder subscribed our names at cape cod the eleventh of november in the year of england france and ireland the eighteenth and of scotland the fifty-fourth anno domini sixteen twenty end of section thirteen